Salutations and Ave. Welcome to Babylon Rising, a podcast about witchcraft, sexuality, and creativity. Say more to everything than following a bunch of old rules. Say more to everything than following a bunch of old rules. Old rules. Say more to everything than following a bunch of old rules. Please do get yourself ready for a hopefully uh, particularly enjoyable episode of the show. This time we're going to be discussing some chaos fucking magic, a topic that you can probably see is interwoven into many topics that we have discussed more frequently or more often on the show um, in terms of my perspectives on demons, deities, and magic itself. Um, I'm personally very influenced by chaos magic, and so uh, the types of things I say on the show um, when I'm talking and like something that's particularly based in my own experience or my own theories, like that's a big influence on me and my practice and on the show. So I'm kind of hyped for this episode. Uh, I will say where I want to start is that I remember when I was less familiar with chaos magic. Two things I remember vividly about chaos magic before I uh, had any real interest in it. And one of those things were sort of um, practitioners, occultists, witches, whatever, um, who were older than me, um, talking about the negative reputation of chaos magic. Um, in their discussions of chaos magic, they would say, people have all of these negative ideas of chaos magic and I just want to clear the air. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, like, why does it have a bad reputation? Like, whoa. Um, but also... I remember some of the bad reputation that Chaos Magic had associated with it um, around um, when I did start actually, you know, really getting into it. Um, I remember the association. I don't know if you just heard my headphones beeping because they're about to die. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I remember the at, at one point on the internet in some quite a few online spaces I was like lurking in or had my eyes on you would see the association of chaos magic and like um like sort of uh reactionary internet assholes um that became sort of part of the negative reputation of chaos magic where before it was that chaos magicians like didn't have any respect for tradition and all they cared about was doing drugs and having sex um and you know the negative reputation has evolved although at this point in time i couldn't tell you what like i generally see people uh, saying about chaos magic. No idea. I have no idea. Um, it could still be, it could still have some of the negative associations that I had seen, like, in my time, um, caring about pagan stuff on the internet, or, um, alternative spirituality on the internet. 
Um, it could be completely different. It could be super positive. I will say that um, I feel like, I don't know if this is necessarily true because I'm less all over the place on the internet as far as um, where my eyes and ears are. Um, but I will say that I get the sense that some types of magic are becoming less um, demonized uh, in general online in spaces where, you know, practitioners are talking about the practice. Um, I feel like there's less of a taboo about like bodily fluids, mostly like I feel like there's less of a taboo on sexual fluids and like maybe blood. Um, and I don't know if we're all the way there yet with like piss and, you know, whatever else. Um, and these are sorts of things that are more associated with folk traditions, um, traditions that tend to be like more visceral, you know, um, and I also kind of feel like people are like talking about folk traditions more. Part of why I think I think this is I'm a conspiracy theorist at this point, but this is just what my my speculations are. I think this is part of um, people like becoming more invested actively in ancestor worship and like learning about what kinds of spiritual practices their ancestors actually did because. Uh, they certainly were, for the most part, not drawing down the moon. Um, they were not, um, doing the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Uh, they were not, they were not doing the things that we love to do today. And that's fine, but it's interesting to know what they used to do or are still doing in some places. I am personally a first generation, um, Canadian. Um, my, well, I, I could also say I'm second generation because my father was born in Canada and I was also born in Canada, but my mom did emigrate here. So I don't, I'm not really familiar with modern day versions, um, of what types of spiritual practices are going on in the homeland of my mother. Um, other than what she remembers from when she lived there, which was like, over 20 years ago because I'm 20 um, and she came here and then eventually had me. So um, I'm on a little bit of a tangent, but we might circle back to this topic depending on how things go with the episode. For now, I will say that Chaos Magic's history is definitely, I would describe it as a part of the New Age movement of the 1970s. This is a sort of spiritual framework that um, really began pushing steam in the 70s with people like Austin Osmond Spare and then people like Phil Hine and um, Peter J. Carroll, amongst other authors who are talking about this type of magic. Um, and that's really interesting. I maybe want to do an episode about the 1970s because, and like from like, the 50s to the 70s and like are how our modern 
pagan alternative spiritual um scene in general has come out of like british revivalism and the stuff that um gerald gardner was doing and then aleister crowley before him and anyways the history of like more modern occult communities very interesting um where where am i going here okay chaos magic so i did i think uh, touch a little bit about the negative reputation that chaos magic has unfortunately associated with it. Um, and I think part of that is in the name. Why is it called chaos? Is it about being disorderly and confused and not having any discipline? Is it about, you know, is it stupid? I don't know. I'm trying to like put my mind where uh, you don't like the name and the name is what gets gets you so um it is not called chaos magic because it is about being disorderly and confused it is called chaos magic because of this particular idea of chaos which is in in chaos magic seen as the perpetuating universal force chaos is you know what happens and then keeps things continuing to happen and further grow in complexity have i already lost you is this like woo woo i recently fun fact i recently learned the definition of woo woo i thought it was just like a sort of um sort of self um like a way to make fun of ourselves as like alternative spiritualists um but like a funny sort of derogatory way to refer to spiritual topics uh but apparently the definition i found on the internet was that it is specifically a way to describe when someone superficially sounds like they're talking about something that's really deep and meaningful in spiritual terms but really is uh just really talking bs so yeah i'm I'm trying to make sure that i'm like making sense so things happen and for the most part they continue to happen you know it rains today it snows tomorrow the earth continues to spin on its axis um the chemical reactions on the surface of the sun continue to occur i don't know i'm probably gonna go to the library tomorrow i don't know things happen um and also they continue to happen and the force that is this idea that things happen and continue to happen is chaos it is also this chaos is also the reason why things further grow in complexity um this is like these things are like what we are calling as chaos magicians um or people who sort of associate with that path that's the chaos okay if you think about even um just the evolution of humans as it is like popularly described or just the evolution of life on earth as we know it started very simply um as a couple of probably single cell organisms listen i'm not exactly the most familiar on on the ball with my evolutionary theory because it's not exactly the most relevant to my life but just you know suspend disbelief 
uh, pretend that I'm covering all my bases here. Um, you start with something very simple, single-celled organisms maybe, and then that organism, uh, you know, further grows in complexity and um, passes this complexity on into perpetuation, into the future, into whatever comes forth from this growing complexity until you go from maybe a single-celled organism um, that you go from there all the way up into um, dinosaurs or human people or elephants, you know, com complex living organisms. Plants are very complex as well. Well, comparatively, you know, um, obviously you still have single-celled organisms. You still have lots of different things. Things don't, the old things don't just go away, but just the main idea is that Things happen, they continue to happen, and as things continue to happen, they further grow in complexity. This is the chaos, okay? Great. <laughs> um, I, I'm glad I spent the extra time describing that because I really don't want the show to be just my opinion on things. Like, it is very influenced by me because I am the host and I choose what to discuss for the most part. Um and I choose how to discuss them, um, but I don't want it to be uh, just something that makes sense to me. Like, I love to talk to myself. Fun fact, I think I've said this before, but I love to talk to myself, and this is part of why I like to record a podcast, because it sort of puts to use all of the interesting conversations I have with myself, um, and other people can really enjoy more of a conversation um, to them because you guys listening are like uh, really the other half of the equation. It's much more fulfilling to be having a, a conversation like this, even though it's through my microphone, through the power of the internet. It's much more fulfilling than me speaking into the dead air, um, just entertaining myself with interesting thoughts and concepts. So, um, that's also fun. I still do that. And so I want to make sure that I'm not just speaking in a language I only understand in concepts that only really make sense to me. I don't really want this podcast to be code encoded with my own foolishness alone. Um, I think part of the way I talk is like what makes the show charming though. So I, I want to be authentic, but um, I also want it to be um, scrutable. I want it to be legible <laughs> on some levels. Okay, so that is the chaos. We just talked about the chaos. Um, that's why chaos magic is called chaos magic, because we are interested in this force of chaos that exists, according to chaos magic, okay? And the idea in chaos magic is that this chaotic force also exists in some form, not just pure chaos. I don't know I don't know if it's possible to really interact with the pure force of chaos. Um, I don't know where that is. I don't know how you'd be able to reach it. Like, let me know if you do. But in some form, in a more diluted form, we can wield this force, this chaotic force, to our benefit as magicians. Um, and when I say in some form, or when I say... Um, sort of partial chaotic force what i'm what i mean to say is that the way chaos exists inside of people and and 
beings and and objects or wherever it exists um it is partially formed you know chaos is the possibilities it's the potential it's the movement and when it happens like the things they happen and then okay things continue to happen and grow in complexity but then they happen right and then the thing happens and it fully manifests in material reality okay they're not just floating around in the chaotic soup moving through us and our minds and our souls or um our lives you know eventually instead of being right before they happen they happen and um the the chaos that we have access to this is the chaos we have access to it's partially it's it has one foot in the pure chaos and one foot in the material reality um it's half formed in that it is half material on some level not literally but just bear with me here okay let me take a drink of some water sorry Okay, so chaos is the possibility and the potential, and eventually the things happen. They fully happen, they are fully manifested, um, and the in-between state is what we would take advantage of as chaos magicians. So imagine this, okay? I want to get a job let's say we're just doing an example okay um i'm job hunting um and there are all these potential jobs for me to get it's sort of up in the air but there is one in particular that i want this is sort of the in-between state that we are taking advantage of as magicians um You have a desired outcome, a desired goal. You have the situation that has all of this potential energy built up, um, but it it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't formed entirely yet. And so you can, as a magician, through sort of mind-altering magic, manipulate the chaos to flow in one direction or another. Um, You sort of want to be the bridge in this case between the particular desired material outcome and the raw potential of the situation, right? The chaos, it's already bound. This is, here's a good example of what I mean by like the partial chaos. It's already been partially bound to the circumstances that you're in. Um, Past, present, and future are informed by each other, and the chaos is bound up in all of this. It's not that literally, absolutely anything could happen, um, but within a particular range of motions, within this range anything within this range can happen and you want the chaos to go in one particular direction or another you don't want to well by yourself at least i don't know we're not really talking about group magic and like the interesting power that group magic has which is very kind of different than solo magic but anyways you want to um wield this power that we're discussing in circumstances you don't want to choose something that is 
already very likely to occur anyways. Like, I'm not going to do chaos magic to make sure I attend my classes tomorrow. I don't literally have class tomorrow, but this is an example. I'm not going to do magic to assure that I get to class properly tomorrow if this is not an issue that is relevant to my life. I am very likely to a class attend class tomorrow and have nothing go wrong. This is not an issue. It's very likely to happen either way. Um, and you don't want to necessarily do magic that is um, outside of the range. You know, if I am doing magic to get a job, going back to the last example, you really don't want to take this situation and the range of outcome to maybe get a job like four cities away, you know? I mean, the thing like that, that is like um, unrealistic for you to go to. Say you do the magic to get a job, but you did the magic to get a job that is outside of your range of circumstances. Say you don't have a car. Um, that's, this is like limiting your range of motion for your magic, unless you're also going to first do magic to get the car and then do magic to do, do um, you know, you want to also good, get advice for this is when you have big dreams, you want to break that up into smaller magical operations. Okay. So you don't want to, um, immediately do magic too. I'm trying to think of like a goal that is like crazy. I don't have a lot of goals in life. Oh my gosh. That's not actually true. That is negative self-talk that comes out of the way I was treated by my paternal family. I'm so sorry that I'm indulging in that on the show. That's not really what I want the show to be. I'm really sorry. I apologize. Um, the point I'm trying to do, the point I'm trying to make, sorry, is that, um, you, want something that's maybe very grand and very large of a goal and you don't necessarily do in in this framework you don't do the magic for that immediately when it's it's so far out of range of the possibilities that you can actually access in your material reality you want to break that up into smaller goals so you maybe can't immediately get this crazy thing that you really want but you can get like, you can get a third of the way there. So you do magic to get you a third of the way there and then another third of the way there and then another third of the way there until you are there and you've gotten to where you want to get, you know? Like, I'm trying to explain this because I don't want you to think that as chaos magic as I'm describing it is like less great magic because it's limiting in some ways and like people don't necessarily have this conversation about other types of magic like the limits of magic I think more people should magic is at the same time limitless and also very limited mainly because you have to the magic is bound to our material reality um and you always have to keep that in mind um your life, your actual life cir circumstances up until that moment will inform where the magic can actually flow into your life. And so you want to do magic to make that range bigger and bigger, to make the possibilities that lead you to where you want to go greater and greater until you can get there. Um, 
practical magic, you know, practical magic. If you're doing magic for results, this is important to consider, okay? Not that you can't use the magic to get you to anywhere you want, and but it's more that you have to apply the magic in an intelligent manner to do so, all right? Um, also, keep in mind, magical operations can take time. Um, if you're doing this great magical working for your greatest dreams, all right, for your life's greatest work, okay, your magnum opus, you want to manifest your magnum opus into reality, okay? Why would you think that magic, why, first of all, why would you think that magic is going to make it not take time? It, magic will make it happen faster and better than it might have happened before, um, but it's not going to happen tomorrow, um, or it might. It kind of depends. Like I said, it depends on every moment that led up to that moment, you know? That's kind of what it is. Um, although, you know, I don't want to put restrictions on magic. I don't exactly know how it works perfectly. I'm speaking partly from experience, partly from listening to more experienced practitioners, partly from books. Like, this is me imparting onto you, um, my knowledge set. Um, and I always want to leave room for the impossible because nothing is really impossible. Things are just more or less improbable. Um, so, you know, leave room for the weird in your life and in your practice. And I think if you keep in mind practical aspects of magic and also leave room for the absolutely bonkers shit that magic can make happen to happen to you, you'll be good as gravy. Not that I like gravy. You'll be good as grapes. I like grapes. <laughs> okay. My throat is burning because I'm getting so passionate. I love talking about magic. I love discussing magic on the show with you listeners. Um, and I kind of have been feeling really bad recently. Um, about a lot of things. And one of those things has been that I've been busy with other work and not really thinking about the podcast, even though I've known I was going to do this episode for like two weeks now. I just didn't have the time to record. So we're getting into another aspect of chaos magic that we're going to be discussing this episode. And that is going to be, um, the, the magical operations, the magical act. So we discussed, the chaos and we discussed taking advantage of this partially formed chaos that has one foot in the endless possibilities and one foot in material reality um and we talked about forcing or allowing things to flow in the direction you particularly desire um and we're going to talk a little bit more about how you would go about that because you know, in chaos magic, part of how you would go about that is through what I'm going to call psychic manipulation. But I don't mean like, I don't mean psychic vampirism. I don't mean psychic um, attack. I don't mean anything like that. I mean more like manipulation of the psyche, manipulation through the psyche of the psyche this makes sense we're talking about mind magic we're talking about mind control but really we're talking about controlling your own mind um so 
I think a lot of us are probably familiar with the idea that um, we have an influence on what kind of world we live in that comes from our perception of this world. Um, We, as an example, as human people, for the most part, unless you are maybe colorblind or something, there is a particular range of visible light to the human eye. Um, and this is um, a way that we are bound to our own human reality. We don't have night vision. I mean, we can experiment with things like technology and cameras um, to allow ourselves a greater range of vision and types of vision. But, you know, in terms of uh, what we have um, in our in our head, our rods and cones um, are, I'm trying to remember, it's, you have green um cones is it cones or rods you have the ability to perceive um red green and blue and combinations of these colors help us to see visible light okay and bees for example have their own bee reality clearly because um, in terms of we're talking about vision and visible light spectrum, we you can find online cameras that uh, show what flowers, for example, look like to bee perception. Um, and even though color, flowers are already really pretty to us, we like to look at flowers and we maybe like to eat the fruit that comes from that flower or whatever we like to do with the flower. Um, that might, in the end, end up serving the purpose of the flower and propagating it. Um, and bees as well see flowers differently for their own purposes that may also align with flowers, right? And this is just interesting to think about, a difference in reality that is, like, almost fundamental. Um, color is very important to life on Earth, um... Colors can tell you a lot of things about what is dangerous, what is edible, um, what is, um, you know, a lot of different things. What to stay away from, what to be attracted to, um, who is the most, you know, royal person in the room. They maybe have this color fabric. Like, color is a big part of, um, how humans interact with, um, each other in the world around us, um, as well as how the world around us interacts with us. Um, and these are all interesting things to think about in terms of, um, reality not being exactly, um, fixed, um, because there is a sort of part of that that is, um, bound in our perception of reality. For example, um, in our modern age, a lot of people struggle with conspiracism. And something that I believe firmly is that conspiracism will rot your brain. Conspiracism is brain toxin. It will mess you up. It is a drug. Okay, I believe this firmly. I used to struggle with conspiracism. I know you might be thinking like, you're, you run a podcast talking about 
magic and demons and Mother Mary being an alien from another planet. Okay, I don't actually believe that one. Um, and everything else I could say to some degree or another is not exactly entirely a delusion. Um, but conspiracism is not like being someone who has an alternative spiritual practice or even being somebody of faith. I wouldn't even call being like a Christian or a Muslim inherently like conspiratorial. But what I'm trying to say is that a lot of people do struggle with conspiracism and it's like you cannot talk to these people. They are on another planet in another universe where all of these things that they believe are true are true. And that makes them kind of true. Um, if somebody is telling me about how, um, I'm trying to think of a good conspiracy theory from where I live. Um, and I cannot really think of one, but I mean, okay, here's a conspiracy theory. Um, and it is that there was a concerted effort by, um, the city where a lot of my family are from in Canada to, um, really break apart the communities that were built there. Um, this is a conspiracy theory. We don't exactly know this for sure that like, yeah, the city totally planned to destroy our communities and push us all out. Um, it is a conspiracy theory. Um, and there isn't like, there isn't like much someone can tell me to believe otherwise, but that is only because of a lot of other circumstances that give reason to believe this. Okay. Or like, did the FBI assassinate Martin Luther King Jr.? This, I don't think they've confirmed it. I don't think they have, but pretty much everyone believes it. This is a conspiracy theory, okay? This is a theory that there was a conspiracy behind the public's back to do this shady shit and to either destroy um, marginalized communities in the city where a lot of my family are from and also to assassinate Martin Luther King. Not that these two things are connected. They're just two conspiracy theories that I thought of off the top of my head. Um, and there is not exactly proof. It's not like the city was like, yeah, we hate marginalized people. We wanted to get rid of you all. So we did this BS. Um, and I actually really cannot remember if, it, the FBI ever admitted to assassinating Martin Luther King. But even though this is a conspiracy and a theory, there is a lot of substantial evidence to support these two things. Again, not related, just examples I came up with. People believe the earth is flat. People believe uh, that COVID is literally not real, despite the substantial evidence otherwise to these claims and it's like it really proves to you just how much perception and reality are intertwined with one another because you kind of you can always take comfort in the fact that like you know gravity is a thing that doesn't come down to perception it's just it is what it is you know chaos itself just it is things just happen they just continue to happen they get further complex that's just is what it is but it it's like is it 
are like this is like making me freaked out because if someone can have this reality that is so far away from my own like makes me kind of unsure about other things in reality that I take for granted like mathematics like one plus one is always going to equal two right I mean I don't even know at this point because conspiracy conspiracism is like so rampant I have um, a bit of forgiveness forgiveness for people who are deep in some people who are deep in conspiracism um, because you know bad con- bad shit does happen conspiracies do happen but just conspiracism is fully I believe a disease of the mind um, but it is also a good example of mind control really let me take another sip of water because like i said my throat hurts and i'm getting very passionate about magic okay mind control controlling the mind mostly controlling your own mind but you know that's neither here nor there that line of thinking so mind control basically you want to leave behind your mostly firm grasp on consensus reality um, and move closer and closer towards a less material, more possible state of being, right? And this is so that you can wield this partially formed chaos because it isn't exactly easy to do that when you firmly believe it could never happen. You have to sort of let go of your preconceived notions so that you can really take advantage of um, the chaos that you have access to to change the circumstances you may want to change. Going back to the job example, excuse me, going back to the job example, if you wanted to do this magic to get this job and then believed firmly that you would never get it, um, that is not going to be to your benefit, even though there are circumstances which might actually be limiting, limiting, sorry, your ability to get this job. Say, for example, you have a very ethnic sounding name or a very feminine sounding name. These are like sort of, I mean, they're not exactly material. They have a material effect, sorry, but they are also a part of the chaotic soup that flows in and out of our minds. If you think about it, they're, they're the material effect of sexism of and racism is harm to women, feminine people, and people of color, but the ideas themselves are ideas. And so they're as much of an idea as the idea that you should get this job. Um, I mean, you know, grain of salt included because, like I said, it's not just an idea. There is a material effect and there are institutions also at play. Um, but really, you should take advantage of any bit of power that you can have access to. And if that is... Um, sort of mind magic, then please do take advantage of that. So to recap quickly, 
if you have very firm preconceived notions about what can and cannot happen, you can't really be doing chaos magic all that well. Uh, You gotta kind of believe it a little bit, you know? Or you at least have to be in a state of mind where you do. And so to do that, you would... Okay, that was the recap, by the way. We're talking about the mind magic now. You want to uh, engage with... Um, I would advise known methods of uh, changing your state of mind, Um, but maybe you're like some experimental genius and you're like cutting edge and you are smarter and better than me. I don't know. (laughs) But um, there are methods of changing the state of mind that are very tried and true. Um, And I particularly like to do them um, when I'm feeling kind of doubtful because they are um, for like they are reliable psychological phenomenon. For example, um, sensory deprivation. Sensory deprivation will fuck with your mind. It will. Um, if you severely limit the amount of perception that your brain in particular is able to um you know um i'm trying to think of the word here if you limit the amount of information your brain can have access to then it will think to itself i mean it's hard to not talk about the brain as it is as if it is separate from the rest of you but just bear with me here when you limit the amount of information the brain has access to the brain will notice this and then freak out and say this is not right like where's the information how come i can't see anything there's no su- there's no sight information there's no sound information there's maybe no temperate te- temperature information there's no touch information this is like if you were in like one of those sem- sensory deprivation pod things that they like have water in them that's like it's salt water matched to your body temperature so you float and also it doesn't feel um it doesn't feel like warmer or colder than you so that's gone as well you don't have to go that far as well um I'll, you don't have to go that far you don't literally have to go and build or find a sensory deprivation tank i'm just going all the way with the example so you limit all the information accessible to the brain it freaks out and then it starts putting things there that aren't there um you'll see things maybe smell or hear things or feel like things are touching you when there is nothing there's nothing there because your brain knows that there should be something there and sort of starts throwing things at the wall to see what sticks and this is when you're in in that moment your brain is just it's nothing like you know oh you know i'm gonna go to the grocery store I maybe, you know, go for a walk, it snowed. Oh, I gotta catch the bus. So, like, your brain is always doing a lot of things that you may not be immediately aware of. Um, but also, when you're really not in that way of thinking about your mundane life, um, it is its own magic. And that is, like, what a chaos magician would believe. The mind is its own magic. Um, so... A good, like, less extreme example would be a scrying mirror. Um, they're dark, um, they're black, you look into them for a, you know, I don't know, indeterminate amount of time, you just look until it starts happening, um, and you'll start to see things, you'll see 
faces or you'll see shapes or you'll see scenes in front of you in this dark reflective surface. Also, for scrying, you don't have to use a dark reflective surface. I do because it's more of a comfort to me. Fun fact, when I was a kid, I used to look into the mirror and talk to myself a lot. Like I said, I talk to myself a lot and I always have. Um, And then I stopped because I started freaking myself out and thinking like, oh my God, like one day my reflection is just going to reach out of the mirror and strangle me. And so I do not talk to myself in the mirror anymore. (laughs) Oh geez. Cause then I feel like I'm talking to my reflection, not myself. So that's weird. Um, and I freaked out and I stopped. So back to the mind magic. So lots of different ways that you can, uh, really shift, um, your way of thinking um, and displace it from the mundane world and place it in this um, more chaotic space, a space where you can more easily wield uh, the chaos that exists within you to your benefit. So you have meditation, um, chanting, drumming, um, like I said, uh, scrying, um, uh, what is called the death posture, where you curl up in the fetal position and you make sure that your eyes and ears are covered. I believe that's the death posture. I don't think I missed anything. So death posture, um, which is funny. It's called death posture, but you're in the fetal position. That's funny. Um, where else? Okay. So, um, you also can choose, um, uh, emotional stimulation. So being, really very angry or very sad or very fearful. Um, I kind of discuss this a lot in the, um, episode. I think it's called like fear and terror curses and witchcraft. Yes. This is what the episode is called in the catalog. It's part of season two. I'm pretty sure no matter where you're listening, you should be able to see the season distinctions in the pod. Um, so season two, can't remember what episode, but it's called, uh, Fear and Terror, Curses and Witchcraft. And I discuss heightened emotional stimulation as a way to, um, wield magic. So, um, you can also choose sexual excitation. Things like orgasm are a very reliable way to, um, really displace the mind into, um, this other reality that we are aiming for when we are practicing chaos magic, um, particularly in the case of um, creating and casting sigils, um, orgasm is a favored go-to for a lot of chaos magicians because um, just at the moment of, um, at the true moment of orgasm, this is when the sigil is uh, charged and then afterwards you forget about it. I think this is a part of like sigil magic that people like don't really understand or they just skip this step. I don't know why, but you are meant to forget the purpose of the sigil um, so that it can work subconsciously in your life. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't call, if you're not doing this step, I wouldn't call it a sigil. I would call it um, a seal, like, um, or a pentacle, you know, like I use the pentacles from the Lesser Key of Solomon, um, and I 
charge and cast them differently than I would a sigil. With those, I read a lot of prayers, I smoke them up with incense, um, and then they get hung up or they go wherever they go. Um, but that's, that's more what people do and think is sigil magic. Um, when the important step that you're missing for like a sigil is you want to forget the purpose and meaning of the sigil. That was, sorry, I lost the thread a little bit. So the, I'm trying to say that when I work with, say, a pentacle of Solomon, um, say I'm using the sixth pentacle of Jupiter, one of my favorites, um, and I pray over it and I smoke it up and it goes like maybe I hang it up on my altar or on my wall. When I look at it, I know it's the sixth pentacle of Jupiter. Like I can tell by just looking at it. Um, whereas with a sigil, after you charge it up, um, you forget about it. Um, and then for me, my method is that I hang it up somewhere that I don't look directly a lot of the times. A lot of times you think you've looked everywhere and you really haven't because like just when, as you're moving through your house or your room, your mind kind of has a mental image of how the room is supposed to look. So you don't really look everywhere all that closely. So I try to put the sigil somewhere that I will see it maybe out of the corner of my eye, but I won't often be directly looking at it. So I'm seeing it and I'm not seeing it sort of like how advertisements can work on people. You're not paying attention. You're not looking directly. You're not engaging with the advertisement on a direct level. And yet it is subconsciously affecting you. Um, maybe around lunchtime, you're like, I'm hungry. I guess I feel like McDonald's today. And you didn't remember that that morning on the bus, there was actually a McDonald's ad on um, the street you were driving down. And it was like in the background of all the things going on. You're thinking about getting to work on time or getting class on time or going to see your friend. You weren't really directly paying attention to this McDonald's billboard it was just there and then all of a sudden you want mcdonald's for lunch so this is kind of how the sigils are meant to work um there's all this energy and intention behind them like an advertisement has um and then you sort of let it work on you subconsciously that's sort of the goal of a sigil mind magic it's mind control like i said so we're still talking about the mind control techniques right so um, I mentioned emotional excitation, getting really, really angry. Um, I have seen what, like, some intense rage can do to people. When Have you ever seen people get blackout, like, angry? M much scarier to me than, than intoxicants or drugs of any kind. But true blackout angry, that's insane. That's insanity. It's very scary. Um, traumatic memories aside, um, you also have the option of pain. Pain is a great way to, um, really push the mind to its limits. Not a good option for me because I don't like pain. I have a very painful menstrual cycle and it's very upsetting for me because, um, I still don't know how to deal with something that's so painful in this way. And it's just like, I can't just like sit there and be in pain. I know, I know it's horrible. 
I need to figure out a way to deal with it, but I haven't because every other time of the month, I just pretend that it's not going to happen and that I'm in so much pain and I just have to sit there and be in pain. And so this is why in magic, I don't do any magic that involves pain because I'm just like, I just don't want to deal with it. But yes, pain, flogging is a go-to. Um, you might want to skip a little bit ahead of this part just because I'm going to discuss um, stuff that may be a little violent or triggering for you um, in terms of magic, but still it might be triggering for other issues, so might want to skip ahead. Um, so with that little bit of a warning um, aside, in terms of pain and you have flogging, um, or just spanking with your hand, um, also cutting yourself, um, which is like totally a thing, especially if you also use blood in your magic, um, and you have like a way of extracting that blood from yourself that involves maybe like a clean sanitary method, um, or maybe, I don't know, I don't know, I don't really like to think about this issue, I don't like to talk about it all that much, because while I would not say it's not a valid way of doing magic, either, um, d using the pain of your cuts, or also, like, cutting a lot for blood, um, I don't like to discuss it, because I, can you tell I don't like to discuss it, I'm pausing so much, I'm just trying to say that I know it can be a triggering issue for people. Um, so I don't want to talk about it in a way that's like super blasé. Like, oh yeah, this is just another way to do magic. Moving on. Um, I know it can be a sensitive issue for people. And so I don't want to um, over, you know, over uh, simplify it or whitewash it in one direction or another. It is a way that people do magic. Um, we can move on now. Uh, so there's also, of course, drugs and alcohol drugs that can make you feel more hyper aware and focused or drugs that can maybe make you feel more relaxed and like cool. Um, I don't mean cool, like, you know, sunglasses, I mean like, um, cooling your mind down, slowing it down, you know, maybe alcohol, I'm pretty sure alcohol is like. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the effects of drugs. I, have, I haven't been in a drug awareness program in like over 10 years. Cut me some slack. I don't know anything about drinking or smoking or anything, but I will say that um, different types of drugs, um, smoking, drinking, otherwise, will have different effects on you. You might want to choose one based on generally all these like mind control methods are, are broken down into excitatory and... Um, inhibitory. So things that maybe slow you down, um, help you shut things out, and then use that as the gateway to the chaos. And then there are methods that are excitatory that maybe help you to heighten your focus onto um, one subject in particular, and then that is the gateway. For example, gazing into a flame, um, is excitatory. You're heightening your focus, directing it in this one particular direction versus scrying, as I discussed, 
Um, both include staring at a subject, but scrying is, at the end of the day, a form of sensory deprivation. So it is suppressing your senses because really the point of scrying mirrors that are like darkened surfaces is that you're staring at nothing. You're not staring at a black mirror, you're staring into nothing. Whereas otherwise, with the flame staring, you are staring at something, you're staring into this candle and its flame um, and directing your attention specifically in this direction either version of this mind control magic either suppressing sensing senses that you have or heightening them um and focusing them both are perfectly decent ways of entering the chaos okay so i want to talk about one last aspect of chaos magic before we wrap up this episode And that is going to be the more eclectic um, aspect of chaos magic, um, which is technically a topic I've discussed before, but it definitely belongs in an episode like this. Um, And what I mean by that is people definitely make um, parallels between people who identify as maybe eclectic Wiccans or eclectic witches um, and chaos magicians. Um, which is not entirely accurate, mainly because of the entirety of the previous discussion um, and the sort of specific beliefs of chaos magic and what chaos magic thinks about magic itself. Um, But in chaos magic, there is room for a fluctuation of beliefs, I'm going to call it, um, because belief is sort of a very important aspect of chaos magic i wouldn't say it's the only important aspect and i wouldn't even say in general in magic belief is the only important aspect of um effective practical magic but you know we're talking about chaos magic here and there is room for a fluctuation of beliefs you believe one thing at one time when it is advantageous and you believe the other thing at the other time when it is at that moment, advantageous. So when I am um, doing the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram and I'm calling on these angels, I need, I believe in this practice. I believe in these angels because I, I want to do this ritual and I want it to work. When I am drawing down the moon, um, which is a very Wiccan ritual, um, you know, I believe different things than when I'm doing the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram. Um, when I'm doing my own banishing ritual, I am believing different things than when I am performing the conjuration in the Goetia. And when I'm performing my own personal conjuration that I made for myself, again, different things are being believed at different moments. Um, for the sake of the magic. This is like, I think I've said this before, but magic is a volatile substance. So be weary because this type of thinking can, in other types of circumstances, lead to severe delusion or paranoia. Um, It can set up very unhealthy mental ways of thinking, it can lead to conspiracism, it can lead you down a very dark and dangerous road. Um, However, in the context of chaos magic, we can 
ideally take advantage of this vile volatile substance of magic and belief and turn it into the desired circumstances and outcomes that we want for our lives and as long as you never forget that you know it's important to do magic with a purpose if that purpose is your holy guardian angel your supreme will um your life's true purpose these are just different things that um they're just these are just different names for the same thing if if you keep something like that in mind then you know go forth all right but this is i think part of the reason why i don't really advise people to um just mm, heedlessly mindlessly dabble in all sorts of different types of magic because magic is volatile and can lead to not so nice outcomes if you're just playing around with it mindlessly this is why i do not recommend doing so and i recommend just having some kind of higher goal in mind something anything even if it's a circumstance where just some random person just wants you just want one thing and you do magic for that one thing and then you never touch magic again and then you turn christian and then you say that you hate new agers and yada yada, yada, yada whatever i mean I guess I would not prefer that because people like that tend to be pretty homophobic and such. So don't be homophobic and such. But if you do one magical thing and never again, as long as you had a goal in mind or some intention in mind, do as you will, you know, do whatever you want. <sighs> so variance in belief. P a part of incorporating different beliefs together in from a more um chaos magician perspective is that you do want to have some understanding of you know the original intentions in a magical working all right um and when you do have a deeper understanding preferably by actually doing that magic you want to or you might want to incorporate that this you know whatever hypothetical magical practice into your you know larger practice that is you know the collection of you know i often on the show talk about how the show and the knowledge i'm imparting upon upon you listeners hopefully maybe i'm just totally BSing you I mean maybe you think that I don't know but um you know the things I'm discussing are a combination of a lot of different sources I've learned from um and a chaos magician might have a practice that is the same thing it is a collection of the knowledge and sources that they have um that we've all been privileged to learn from all the traditions that we get to read about and know about honestly this age of information is truly a beautiful thing um so sorry i had a brief pause because i got distracted by that thought but what i'm trying to say is that a chaos magician might have a larger practice that is made out of all the traditions they may have come to learn from okay that, including chaos magic in that bundle of joy and 
part of constructing something like that involves being familiar with source material and what makes that source material distinct and what you like about it, what it is that you are drawn to in that magic, all right? Um, in this hypothetical magical practice that we're discussing, including into your chaos magic practice. Maybe there is a specific ritual, um, ritual blessing that you just find so beautiful. It just speaks to your soul. You would like to incorporate in it into your larger practice. Um, you would want to know how to perform, in my opinion, you would want to know how to perform it the, you know, in a way that is closest to you know, the spirit of the intentions of the ritual. And then you would want to understand the structure of the ritual. What are, what is the foundation? What is the structure? What is the fluff? Okay. What are the non-essential aspects of this magic that you can maybe take out and replace with aspects of your own practice and stuff you like more and whatever, whatever it is you feel is preferable to you say you say that I published a ritual, okay? And it was a blessing. We'll go with the blessing example. I wrote this blessing, I published it, and maybe you read it and you loved the blessing. Um, but when I wrote the ritual blessing, I included uh, drumming. Um, you're supposed to drum and sing this prayer and you don't want to drum and sing this prayer you want to just sit down and vibrate the prayer um which are i think slightly different but you know i'm no expert um i don't really sing in rituals but i do sometimes vibrate a word which is just you just kind of mm, you hum out the word um different from singing anyways so i in this example, I wrote this ritual, I included drumming and singing, and you don't like drumming and you don't like singing, um, so you might familiarize yourself with the way I wrote the ritual, and then oftentimes you can sort of reverse engineer what is making this magic not only distinctive, but what is making it work, because you don't want to take a ritual and just, like, completely cut out, like, I mean, in that case, you're not even really incorporating, I mean, I don't know, I'm not going to go there. This is, I'm confusing myself because I kind of don't even agree with myself there, but um, in terms of the tailoring your beliefs to basically the ultimate goal of this type of practice of um, learning about other types of magic and making it into a part of your larger practice is that it works, okay? Whatever you do, whatever you incorporate into your practice, whatever magic that you're experimenting in, does it work as it is? Maybe, maybe not. Does it work better when you add or take something away? Does it work better for you when you change it to your liking? If it does, then go right ahead. I mean, this is like not this is like outside of the discussion about, um, about, uh, close traditions and appropriation. I'm not talking about that right now. Um, I'm just talking about 
you know, there are plenty of magical traditions that exist that are not closed, including chaos magic itself, um, and among other things that you can read about, learn about, feel attracted to, um, and make into your own, you know? And I think that's where we're going to be ending off this episode. Let me take another sip of water. I have to say that I would normally, um, if I took like maybe one sip of water in like a 45 minute episode, I would just cut it out. But this is a really long episode and we're kind of having a conversation here. So yeah, I'm drinking lots of water because I'm thirsty as shit and my throat hurts so much. So (laughs) we're going to have to wrap up this episode now so I can like take a break from talking, which, you know, I might not even. (laughs) because I love talking so much, but I'm going to have to wrap up this episode, even though it's been so fun. Um, I've had so much fun. I hope you have too. Um, gosh, thankfully we have now reached the very end of this episode of the show. If you have any questions or concerns, you can always email me at Babylon Rising Podcast at gmail.com or find me on Instagram where I basically live. Um, I mean, not anymore because I've been really busy, but I always look at my messages. So if you do message me there, I will see it and I will respond and we can chat there. Um, my Instagram page is called Venus.Libitna. Um, and both of these things are always linked in the episode show notes so you can always check there for my email and instagram if you want to have a conversation if you can please support the show by either donating a few dollars a month to the podcast patreon page that's patreon.com forward slash babylon rising or instead, and this is also very important to keeping the show online, um, you can leave a rating and a review on iTunes. Both things really help out the show, really keep me ma- able to make this program maybe even more often than I currently do. But, you know, um, either way, thanks so much for listening. This has been a really great episode, but until next time... Ave Babylon. Babylon.